Hello, beautiful humans. Aliyah Chan here, and welcome to Human First Podcast, a space where I talk to inspiring individuals about their mental health journey in an effort to increase mental awareness, normalize struggle, and end stigma. Together, we embrace hope and celebrate all parts of the human experience. As a mental health podcast, I acknowledge that these sensitive matters may be triggering for some. If you are in crisis, please reach out to the crisis center in the area that you live in or call 911. Your safety is top priority, so please always listen in a way that feels comfortable and safe for you to do so. Thank you so much for joining me here. to have a very special guest on the podcast today, my big sister, Winsel Chan, who I look up to in so many different ways. She is the most supportive sister, the most loving wife, the best mom to the cutest little corgi, and she is a pediatrician. And today we'll talk about her journey in becoming a doctor and how that encompassed a lot of test anxiety, career and school pressure, and this heightened sense of a fear of failure, which I think a lot of us can really relate to in a world that really highlights only the successes. Um, We'll talk about her journey in growing to accept those failures and how grades and tests do not define you as a person and how you are so much more than that. Um, And so I'm so excited to share her story with you all today. And thank you again for being here. Enjoy. Well, super excited to have you on Human First Podcast. Um, Hello. Yeah, I think it's so cool to have my big sister on this. Like, they obviously don't know, the listeners don't know, but obviously we talk like every day and these are like things that we have talked about too, but I think it's kind of cool to have it on like a public more platform. I agree. Yes, platform. Yes. I think we always talk about how our conversations sometimes need to be recorded. So this is perfect. <laughs> I know. I mean, hence why I probably wanted to start a podcast. I love like these conversations and think that a lot of people can just benefit, especially from your experience. Um, and I guess like first, because obviously I know you, but if you want to maybe just give a bit of like an introduction and just like who you are and and starting wherever your story starts. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Um, so yes, I am your big sister. So that is one of my roles. My name is Winsel Chan. Um, and I am a pediatrician. And so the big topic, I guess, today that I'll be sharing and kind of um, diving into is a lot of about anxiety, uh, test anxiety, and kind of how um, your quote unquote failures um, really impact Uh, impacted my life and how I'm still growing and learning that my worth is not attached to um, just grades and success or the success that people label things as. Um, But besides being a pediatrician, I am also a wife and a dog mama. I'm really big into working out and fitness um, and making sure that um, there's a balance in life with career and everything else. Um, I'm currently living in Indiana, but obviously was born in Canada and used to live in Vancouver with you guys. Yeah. So I'm very excited to be on here. Yeah. And if you want to follow along, a little plug for her, her little corgi, Sadie Mae, the cutest yeah. little bean. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing. And I think like the topic today um, is so important. I think that like people, people, I don't know if you said do you say you were a doctor? I don't think you said you were a doctor. Um, but people may look and think like uh, so successful, like that. I don't. Maybe people don't even know sort of like the journey it took to become a doctor and just sort of take that right. like face value and oh, she's so successful, but kind of don't maybe look at like what that journey looked like and the education and like the pressures that came with and you know you mentioned like your anxiety and like how that played a role and um, 
that it wasn't always like rainbows and butterflies, right? So I'm super excited yeah. to talk to you about that today and just kind of give more of like that inside scoop to to the journey to that journey. Definitely. I think even before I started the journey of medicine, I had no idea how long it took and all the different things that come in between it. Um, so I know from an outside, you know, friends and family, they don't know that as well. And then even people in the medical community, they don't share it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I think it's a really important topic for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And so I don't know. Yeah. If you want to like, where does your story start? Um, you know, if you want to give us a little bit of a background to sort of like, Bef like before maybe anxiety played a role or before you sort of realized um this struggle with grades or that pressure um, yeah and, and what that looked like for you yeah so before coming on here I did do a lot of reflection um mm -hmm. it's so first and foremost yeah I went to medical school in the Caribbean um I finished my undergrad uh in U uh, UBC no <laughs> SFU I did not go to UBC medical school which led me to the Caribbean is what I was trying to say and um when I was trying to think back on before the journey through medicine mm -hmm. and everything like that I started thinking about me in high school and then me in elementary mm -hmm. school um and I remembered a story I actually ended up talking to my therapist for um, mm -hmm. the first time I had a kind of bigger failure in my medical life. So I went to therapy and she had had me lay down mm -hmm. and made me re remember something from childhood, like something that caused me anxiety as a kid. Mm -hmm. and like she just like let she just asked that and you just had to think of something. Yeah. And like, what was the first memory of you having test anxiety or school anxiety? Mm. Um, and my flashback immediately, and I um, kind of get mid thought of that I have like these vivid memories from elementary school, unlike other people. <laughs> I don't know. What I remember that? things. Why, why remember, do people make fun of that? <laughs> no, I just, I remember things so distinctly. I don't know about anybody else or you even, but no, I remember being that. in grade two and sitting at my desk um and I was in excelled math so I was like a grade above everybody else in terms of math and there was a polar bear on my textbook and I just remember flipping it open mm -hmm. and had some kind of reaction to that and was stressed already in grade two about wow. being ahead of people and um and that I couldn't be bad at math because mm. now somebody's quoted me as being smart in math right so I thought that was a really interesting kind of not like thing that my therapist at the time made me think about um and obviously at the time being a grade two you don't really yeah. realize that like that's something that's built into the way you function right um, but I think looking back at that now, it definitely has been part of who I am for a really long time, um, being yeah. associated with, quote unquote, being smart. Um, just so you know, like being in medical, like the medical field doesn't make you a genius. I think it really actually makes um, a really strong point that you are hardworking, um, right. but not everyone's the smartest person in the room. And there are definitely a lot like smart you know smart people in different like realms and all this kind of stuff so that would be my first journey in I guess anxiety with medicine right. or that's so interesting school. um I think that's so interesting because yeah like grade two what you're seven and yeah. I mean the teacher is probably I think it never it's never intentional to add like that sort of pressure to any to anyone especially at such a young age and how they probably put you in this upper bracket to mm -hmm. sort of like highlight your strengths like yeah you're really good like let's challenge you more like you deserve to to learn these different things yeah. um but what I find is so interesting is that in that it actually made you feel I don't know is it okay to made you, like made you feel worse about yourself in some way like it's like now yeah. I have to keep keep this up keep it up yeah enjoy and it again I didn't know it back then but um, it was definitely something that stuck with me that I have to keep up this facade that, you know, I have it all together and I'm this smart, educated person, um, right. even, you know, now. Um, 
And so that's definitely, yeah, it's just so interesting because you're right that the, the teachers did not mean to put me in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I was asked, like, do you want to be in this higher right. math class? Right. Yeah, um, totally. And all that kind of stuff. And we don't ask kids that kind of stuff now, too. And um, yeah. So yeah. Just a It'll... weird, like distant memory, but something so vivid. Yeah. And is it okay if we spend some time there? Like, what was that like for you to, like, this is a memory that you've never thought about before. And then you were asked to sort of remember something that was in the past as you were going through this already, like you were seeing a therapist because you noticed something was, was not, I'm putting wrong in quotations right now. No one can see it, but I have it in quotations. Um, But you just, something came up for you that was uncomfortable and like how yeah. how was that experience for you to kind of flash back back I believe my memory of being in therapy was I definitely cried and mm-hmm. I just felt this like immediate release and kind of sadness for that seven-year-old Winslow I guess yeah um and I, I don't remember exactly but I'm I think my therapist talked me through it at the time and kind of obviously said like what would you say to her now type thing? Or what would you right. say, you know, to that Winslow that you're feeling so sad for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where the journey of kind of healing and the process of realizing that I do have this kind of attachment to, you know, my worth and um, being smart um, mm. really started. Um, so that was definitely eye-opening because again, it was deep inside me I've never thought about that right. until that moment yeah really. I mean so that would have been like how old were you when when you started seeing that therapist um I was 26 27 I think okay yeah and yeah. like you've already finished elementary school you finished high school you finished your undergrad you're in med school already and it's not until your mid to later 20s when you realize like wait wow. a second like what yeah. yeah and I yeah I found that so interesting and I think I don't think I've even shared that with you I, probably not <laughs> no I, I don't think so yeah I, I remember th- I remember you going through that but I think for you and reasonably so it was such a new experience for you and you were 100% in like a bit like as a vulnerable state um and I think you mm-hmm. were still trying to figure it out yourself so I think you mm-hmm. could, I think that that's at least what I yeah think. yeah yeah I didn't I don't think I really told much people about what I was doing at that time in terms of healing and processing everything right and is yeah. it okay if we like go back a little bit and you know where do you think that comes from like do you think it's just the school system like do you feel that that pressure was mm. more on that side of like the system and the institution or anything to do I with think, upbringing I think definitely some degree of upbringing again I think we've kind of dived into this before a little bit mm. um our parents are have been and have continued to be very supportive of whatever we have chosen in life yeah um but I also think, and this is kind of on a broader term, I guess, is the, not to um, stereotype, but mm. um, the Asian community and Filipino culture has always been something focused on um, your successes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, at a young age, you... Um, go to a family function and you get asked like how's school and what are yeah. you doing and how is school going um, what do you want to be when you grow up and I mean I always wanted to become a doctor it was never something that yeah. my parents or parents said I had to do by any means mm-hmm. but when you do say that you are becoming a doctor there's a lot of praise and cheering not only from your parents, <laughs> from right. our parents, from everyone, yeah, from everybody, um, because it's kind of this big deal that when they're back in the Philippines, they may have not gotten that opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it is put on this kind of pedestal, 
Um, and I do remember the day that I said I was going to become a doctor again, very distinctly because it was this declaration almost mm. yeah. of me deciding who I wanted to be and what I wanted to pursue and kind of like that kid I was at, in grade two, like once it happened, I needed to live up to it and I couldn't falter in any way. And it wasn't yeah. going to be something that I could backtrack from because now I've said it. And if I right. take it back, then I'm going to be the girl who, at least in my mind, I guess, deep down, I would be the girl that didn't fulfill her right initial declaration and dream. So yeah, um, yeah I think it's nothing that per se our parents did or the Filipino community did but Mm -hmm. it's just something that's kind of ingrained in you without even knowing um and yeah I'm not I don't think there's something specific necessarily yeah but you can tell like even as you were saying that I think that's such an an important point that you made there in terms of a declaration like that's kind of a strong word in some way like I'm yeah committing to this and I'm going to tell everyone that I'm going to do it and there's almost that fear of failure even coming into that declaration that okay well now once I said it I can't even take it back and if I said down the line like if I was one year into medical school and I hated it yeah um, there was it sounds like there's like this almost push that you had to yeah you had to push through that that you couldn't take it mind you I declared that quote unquote when I was 16 (laughs) so I was still very young I had no idea (laughs) like what the rest of high school looked like let alone what medical like school was going to be like um but I declared it at that point and I remember taking a deep breath before I did it because I was saying it out loud um and yeah right yeah and again like linking it back to sort of that grade two self in terms of our family our parents or anyone in our support system really just cheering you on um I mean, they probably, again, just wanted to highlight such a huge moment in your life. Definitely. And I think there's something to that, that in doing that, some I probably not in every sense, but in this sense, it sounds like in doing that, then it just added an extreme amount of pressure for you. Right. And I mean, I was still so happy to finally get that off my chest. And I remember being like, this is so exciting. And right. um, I can't wait to like move forward and like what this looks like. Mm-hmm. But again, reflecting back, did I really need to make such a big deal of that declaration in my head? Probably not. Does it need to be such a vivid memory? I don't know. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> it, definitely, it definitely is and has yeah. been. Um, and I mean, retrospectively, I, I love that memory that I actually have, but um, the weight that I put on it, it is and continues to be so big. Um, and I'm still kind of working through what that really means to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that with that pressure, you feel anxious, you feel anxiety. Um, And what does that look like for you? Um, I mean, I I should acknowledge that everyone can kind of feel anxiety differently and through different Mm -hmm. avenues. And for you, it's that pressure, it's that fear of failure. So how does that, like, how does that look like in your life? What, when does, when does that really come up for you? So I guess I should backtrack a little bit because I'm talking about these failures that we've I've had and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, so the whole medical journey and becoming a doctor, obviously there's many classes you need to take and exams and all these different things. So, I mean, even through undergrad, I had to retake physics. I don't mm-hmm. think many people know that because again, lots of people think that you um, become a doctor by just, being good at all the classes, yeah. you, you do that. So in yeah. undergrad, I did fail physics my mm-hmm. first semester in university. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is I, like, this is the biggest roadblock ever. And I'm not gonna become a doctor because I failed this, like this class and have right. to retake it. And what is that gonna look like on my transcripts? And like, everything just keeps adding on to like, somebody's gonna look at this. Somebody's gonna realize that I'm, you know, not adequate enough. Yeah. And you have to keep pushing against this voice in your head that's saying you're not enough. So mm. um, 
when you first, like, so that was my, I, we took physics and uh, I mean, I didn't get a great grade even, <laughs> but I passed <laughs> it um, and I got to move to the next step. And so I finished right. undergrad um, and then I applied to medical school, but I did apply to a Caribbean school. So uh, for those who aren't, you know, aware of what mm-hmm. that means is, so there's only 10 medical schools really in Canada. One of them, you have to be fluent in French. Um, so I knew kind of going, um, graduating from SFU that I would be not as competitive as other applicants possibly. Um, mm-hmm. I did not have a 4.0. Um, I had a lot of extracurriculars, but I hadn't like published a bunch of papers and all of these different things that again, play into I'm not good enough to get into into UBC. Um, And so I was told by somebody else who had been rejected from UBC, but actually was a graduate of UBC and actually had Mm. a 4.0 and had all of these things that made him a good candidate. Um, And he was going somewhere else for medical school um, and he was going to the Caribbean. So I said, you know what, if he can't get in, then what makes me think I would get in? So I didn't even Mm. apply to Canada. But Mm. I ended up going to the Caribbean, which has its own stigma and everything um, attached to it as well. Um, Many people, um, when I was applying and like going elsewhere, had asked me, people I didn't even know or had any idea who I was, would question like, why are you going there? Like, can't you get into, um, can't you get into Canada? Uh, And Mm. it had just all this kind of stigma um, around it. Um, And then I went there, um, which was actually a great experience and where I was really meant to be, um, again, retrospectively. Um, But um, there was an exam along the way that basically helped, like, you have to take it and you have to pass it so that you can Mm -hmm. move forward into your third and fourth year of medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, And mind you, I had failed a bunch of exams in between, but they weren't as you know, important, um, as this exam. Um, and I still pass the classes overall. So I did fail in between there. So it's not just like, um, uh, you know, it came once in a blue moon type thing. Um, which I want people to know again, because a lot of people don't think that people fail in medical school. Yeah. You're just just good at sciences and you're just go. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. I just got a message from a, a girl re- like this morning who was asking me those same questions. Like, what mm. do I do? Um, right. Like everybody just, you know, it, it happens. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't pass that big exam that allowed me to move forward to my third year of mm-hmm. medical school. And I failed only by a few points. Um, and this was basically a milestone stepping stone again to leave the Caribbean um, come back to North America and all of my friends well it seemed like all of my friends and classmates were moving forward and I wasn't Mm -hmm. Um, and I questioned again my um, self-worth that I was not going to become a doctor now Um, I had gone in so far and all of the money and all of this different stuff um and I ended up doing a review course. And then three months later is when I could retake it. So I retook it mm-hmm. um, only to fail again, mm-hmm. the same exact test. Yeah. And I failed by the same amount of points. Yeah. And like, what are the odds <laughs> of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who <laughs> fails exactly the same? Like, right. after I had done this review course and really kind of what I thought examined myself in what I needed to do to adjust um and it's then that I decided okay if I have taken this much time to study for this one thing and Mm -hmm. the results are exactly the same and I've been studying more and more effectively of what Mm -hmm. I thought was effectively then there's got to be something else blocking me from Mm -hmm. moving forward Mm -hmm. and that is when I turned to therapy and turned inwards and decided, well, maybe that roadblock is myself. Mm. And maybe I'm not ready to move forward yet is how I saw it. And maybe it was life's way of saying, you're gonna become a doctor, but you need to get over this 
internal um, exam, an internal problem before you you're, you can. Um, yeah. I think that's so, so powerful because I think it's so tough to turn inwards. And I think that's such great awareness on your part. And I mean, very significant in that it allowed you to sort of continue your medical school journey. But I feel like that's like the hard, like that was the hard part. That was like the most that, difficult yeah. part because you could have easily in some way blamed the system, the school system, like tests mm-hmm. suck and I hate this. And, and I'm sure you did that as well, but to also be yeah. like, Hey, is that, but is that it? Like, is there more that I right. can do on my end? And I feel like that's such a pivotal moment. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're definitely right in that I was angry. I was upset mm-hmm. and I didn't all of a sudden just say, you know what, let's fix myself. Yeah. And <laughs> so right. it, it definitely took some time. Um, but yeah, a, a, a very kind of necessary step because again, when you're doing everything what you or you think you're doing everything a lot of the times you need to take a step back and kind of just see what's the one factor that hasn't changed when Mm -hmm. you've changed your study and you've changed all of this or and at the end of the day the the thing that maybe hasn't changed is you so or um and how you're seeing you know your problem yeah Um, and so that was a huge huge step for me. Um, and that brought me to, you know, my therapist asking me what happened at a young age and then we are here. (laughs) Yeah. Or I mean, fast forward here, but yeah. And thank you for giving us that context. Um, I think it like said a lot to your sort of experience and how really ingrained it was like, it is into you sort of thing. Um, and, what really came up for me is how, is that what you said of like not being good enough that like, here you are, you know, achieving something that not everyone does. Like again, the journey of, to be a doctor requires so much commitment and dedication, a lot of sacrifice. And yet there were still so many things that were that was hindering that experience for you in that like you know you didn't even apply for the Canadian schools or Mm -hmm. you know you did all your classes but then this one test like you know kind of defined you and your skills and and how no no matter sort of how many successes you had Mm -hmm. you still held on I a don't little see bit. those <laughs> yeah and I mean I yeah. think that's what everyone yeah. for sure like we tend to always focus on the negative and the positive but in terms of that pressure in terms of failure in terms of something that in my opinion should be celebrated right mm-hmm. um weren't always celebrated right yeah I mean again it's kind of this under um underlying belief by many people that again you just go through the medical system and without any flaws or bumps and you Mm. you know so lots of people don't share those bumps yeah and so to outside people and um I'm gonna say this like on Instagram when it's the highlight reel and all those different things which um, you only see these people like I passed the test or I got this great score and um, I'm doing this rotation and people love me and I mm-hmm. you know all this kind of stuff because a lot of people don't share that they failed that exam yesterday and today is a better day or right. you know and so yeah I think it's it's a, it's easy for people to to just real to just celebrate those big good things right um when really which they should be um they should be celebrating it but then they should also be realizing that a lot of behind the scenes stuff is happening yeah um and that your worth isn't related to those behind the scenes stuff um yeah but they're still part of the experience and they still need to be acknowledged and what came up for me as you were saying that as well is how I think too, people will look at like, oh, there's the that bump. Oh, but she got over it and mm-hmm. failing again from there. And what I'm hearing from you is that sometimes those bumps last like a few days, months, and or you know that yeah, pieces of that bump are still being carried on 
today. And I, I think yeah. that's something that um, we need to acknowledge as well is that it's not just one struggle and you get over it and you forget about it and it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Yeah. Um, in that sense, in that you're definitely touching on something um, I think I should share mm-hmm. is um, so I passed that test that I was referring to. I, right. I failed twice and then I finished medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, along the way, you know, there's all these other tests, again, that just don't get highlighted, because yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't stop. And it's, it's kind of like on a yearly basis, you're taking exams. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just actually took an exam, um, mm-hmm. where I thought all of my past anxieties for test taking and self worth related stuff to um, school and being a doctor was done with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took it. Um, and I found out just a couple of weeks, or I guess it's been a couple of weeks now um, mm. that I did not pass that exam. And mm. I kind of backtracked completely. And I want other people to be aware that, again, just because I have maybe said I passed the previous bump, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that another bump hasn't come along the way. Um, and then it doesn't add on to all of those other previous feelings and you know, anxiety ridden, um, you know, stresses, um, because I definitely spiraled a couple weeks ago and everything came uh, bubbling to the surface again Mm -hmm. about who I am and the worth I have Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, for all the people who will eventually be listening to this, Mm um, you know, just because you got over that bump before doesn't mean that you can't feel it again, yeah. I guess is kind of what I want people to take away because yeah. again, it's, it's kind of this cycle and it's a process and it's mm-hmm. a practice to get better at not, you, you don't get to the end basically. Right. And I appreciate you so much for sharing that, especially with it being pretty fresh and I'm, you know, I'm aware that you're probably still processing that in in some way. Um, And at the same time, I think it is such an important note and something, yeah, that people should take away and this sense of it being okay if you go backwards sometimes, that Mm -hmm. if those feelings do surface up again, if they do come bubbling up, that's okay. And it doesn't mean that the healing that you've done or are still doing is um kind of null like it doesn't matter because oh here I am again in the same position yeah that to me is like just life (laughs) yeah um at the same time though I totally understand that it's so hard not to kind of get back there and think those thoughts and I'm wondering like is that sort of your experience right now like how are you in sort of like accepting those the bubbling up to the surface again and what's that looking like for you right now Um, I mean, it still hurt a lot, Mm -hmm. like I said, when I found out the result. Um, But although the feelings surfaced, and they the the ugliness came through (laughs) completely. um, I feel that, yeah, the work from previous um, bumps and previous, quote unquote, failures, helped me heal faster almost Mm. or I mean I'm not even completely healed I don't want to say that but right it helped me move forward you know sooner than I think it would have I would have been able to do years ago Mm. because of all the continued work that's happened for the last seven eight years now um can you share maybe like if especially if the listeners who are listening um feel a similar way can you share a little bit of what sort of has healed you faster like what does that look like what maybe like practices or exercise or just a mindset that you're carrying now that has sort of um propelled that forward a little bit more yeah um so like I mentioned when I first started the process, I was turning to therapy. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, us being here and talking about it is another huge um, factor is that I was able to share my story um, and feel safe, 
you know, sharing it mm. um, to a therapist. And then once I kind of found my grace um, and was able to find my peace with it personally, I was really able to share it with other people. Mm. And so I think that's been a really big healing factor for my, for me is that um, I've, you know, helped other medical students and other yeah. residents along the way. Um, shameless plug due to my Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, you know, people messaging me and telling me that they are able to process their failures and know that it happens to even the people that they think are so successful. Mm. Um, it has been very fulfilling for myself um, mm. that maybe there was that deeper reason that I had to go through that journey to not only become a better person for me and become a better physician so that I could, you know, understand people a little better, but also just to help the future um, of medicine and all that yeah. kind of stuff along the way. Um, and then in terms of other practices, um, I, so sorry, backtrack for that therapist that I was with, I did do hypnotherapy. Um, mm. So if anybody's thinking about that, I really did um, uh, do better with that. And I think it's not just hypnosis in the sense that you've seen on TV or anything like that. Um, mm. It actually was kind of um, the way it was done is a re-recording of your mindset. Um, mm. So hypnosis worked for me because I think it finally retrained myself a little bit to think not so negatively about a, my test and about myself. Um, mm. So I listened to tapes that were recorded by my therapist specific for me on a daily basis and yeah. retrained my inner dialogue to let go of those previous, you know, um, failings and um, reprogram it to believe that I could succeed. And then from mm -hmm. there, I started doing it by myself once I finished with those very specific you know, recordings. Um, and that's and so doing... cool because, um, as a therapist, like I don't do that stuff. So I mean, yeah, I'm going to ask because of my curiosity, but I'm sure there's someone out there listening who also may be a bit more curious around that. But what did those, if you remember, like, what did those recordings sound like? Well, what did, what was she telling you? And also when yeah. did you listen to that? Like, was it when you were sleeping? Was it like when you were making breakfast or all times um, of the day? So the ones I specifically had were prior to bed so that you could drift off and then absorb it to its full potential. Um, and really, I don't remember a lot of it because you end up going into that subconscious kind of sleep space, mm. which is where you're supposed to go for it to work. Um, but you're awake, but you're not, totally but you're awake? listening to it. Exactly. Okay. Um, it's hard to describe. Um, but for instance, I, I do remember um, when I was trying to pass the exam, because I did have a couple recordings. Mm -hmm. um, and um, one of them was to visualize myself walking through a gate or towards mm -hmm. the thing that I was trying to get to and right. who was there cheering me on at the end. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. And so that was and that was not even at the beginning of the recording for some reason again my subconscious it's in the middle somewhere mm. um and it was where where are you walking to who's at the end you, and then the gate opens mm. and and you just listen to that over and over again and um, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are skeptical about it, but it was what really worked for me somehow. It really reframed how I was visualizing things, how I was seeing things. Right. And because it was kind of this hypnosis subconscious level, it changed kind of my internal molecules of what I was seeing yeah. and doing really. Yeah. I mean, um, that kind of sounds like to me, um, I don't like guided visual visualization or yeah. guided, even yeah. a guided meditation or manifestation, which is yeah. super huge now. And um, like that to right. me is kind of what that is looking like. And just being able to sort of picture 
what success looks like to you. What does it look like after yeah. you feel like who's there with you and yeah. still supporting you? And yeah, that's really cool. It was, I think, and this is going to age me, but it was prior to the yeah. whole <laughs> manifestation right. affirmation um, kind of explosion that's happened the last few years, which now is what I do. I do do a lot of manifestation work. I, I write mm-hmm. down affirmations um, and do a lot of guided meditation and vis- visualization. Um, so right. yes, very, very similar, um, more on the awake level of doing things. Um, right. But even then I do sleep meditations, which help visualize and ingrain certain things. Mm-hmm. And then I end up falling asleep so that those things get absorbed in the same mm-hmm. kind of manner as I previously did um so I really think that utilizing those kind of tools and techniques has helped me along the way yeah um and then ongoing discussions ongoing therapy um fitness has been an outlet and making sure I'm like sweating out the stresses Mm -hmm. and kind of those bottled emotions um and then again kind of finding the silver lining through it all and then sharing your experience with other people has made everything kind of full circle. Yeah. I mean, you touched on pretty much like everything there in terms of (laughs) like, you know, you were talking about first acknowledging for yourself, you know, okay, fine. Like this, this is a problem. Like this is something that's hindering me from living sort of a meaningful life over what you consider to be a meaningful life. And then also connecting with others who are struggling in the same way. It's kind of the classic, like in some ways, like misery loves company. And Mm-hmm. As sad as that quote always makes me feel, it's true. Like, you know, and, and that sort of togetherness as like a collective um, and then just doing so much of your own work as well. And and then you also mm-hmm. mentioned fitness, like movement um, and allowing your body to physically release whatever it's holding on to. Um, yeah. To, yeah. To me, you've kind of like touched on but so many I parts of feeling to listening as well is that that didn't all happen again overnight mm-hmm. it's been this really layering thing where I keep adding on to my practice and all that kind of stuff yeah. so for anybody who's feeling you know these things please don't feel like you need to do all of the above or that all of them are going to work for you you really have to kind of trial and error everything um and uh, for me it's you know lifting weights or you know Mm -hmm. biking but for other people it's it's just being still and all that kind of stuff so again the healing process for everybody just like everyone's story is not the same of course Um, yeah for me like I would lifting weights is just not a release for me that has more stress so yeah I hear yeah that everything is everyone has their own different outlet for me it could be like sitting on the couch yeah Um, and yeah I think that's great that you brought that up because um, I mean yeah as much as we're going to talk about or have talked about different techniques and and like therapy and hypnosis like these aren't the be-all end-all too and Mm -hmm you know, one person can try hypnosis and really, really hate it. Some people really yeah. resonate with that. Um, and yeah, just like anything, it's, you kind of have to try it out first, especially yeah. when it comes to like your own healing and coming to a place of acceptance. Right. Right. And I want to ask, um, you know, for people who are maybe going through the same um, situation or, or just have like the same experience. I'm curious, is there anything that, you know, as a, the people who are supporting those people can sort of watch out for, is there anything, I guess, in your experience that you wish maybe your friends and family kind of noticed and, and made it maybe would have helped you a little bit more? Um, oh, that's it. I, even though I kind of knew that that question might be coming up, <laughs> Uh, I think when I was dealing with it for the first time, I had a lot of bad talk to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was de- degrading myself to a certain degree. And um, sometimes it was out loud, and but a lot of the time it was internal. And mm-hmm. I guess I would just say for those times that somebody ends up saying something out loud um, Mm. and saying um, that they're unworthy or that 
they suck or they're stupid. Like those simple things that I think a lot of us do say out loud kind of casually. Um, But when, when it's happening, you know, a lot of the times we support that person and say like, you can feel that, you know, and that's, that's true. You can obviously, but also realizing that if they're willing to show you that little piece of their dialogue and their inner dialogue, that there's probably a lot more other deeper stuff that's going through their head. Right. Um, and maybe to ask, to, to ask them, what, what are you saying to yourself? Mm. Um, because I don't think I really realized that until recently, truthfully. Um, And that, yeah, I think if I, if I was already saying those things out loud to you or to mom or dad or anybody else, Mm -hmm. that maybe really what I was saying to myself was even darker and even um, a little bit meaner. Um, Right. And I, I think, yeah, like I, I'm having the thought that as friends and family, we may um, stray away from that. Like maybe, oh, like maybe she's going through something. We don't want to touch it. You know, mm-hmm. we'll let her figure it out. Like that was that was pretty harsh on herself, but I'm just going to pretend she didn't say it. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like for you, like, it, I mean, if you feel comfortable, it obviously depends on everyone's relationship with, with everyone. But um, it sounds like if your support system just mirrored that back to you and almost challenged your thoughts for you, um, yeah. maybe would have woke you up a little bit in that sense and, and sort of took yeah. you out of this place that was a bit darker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it, yeah, it really depends on the circumstance and who you're with and, and who you're voicing those thoughts to per se, but mm. um, yeah, I guess that yeah. would be like the one takeaway okay yeah and I think like thank you so much because um definitely acknowledge that a lot of people can maybe aware that the person like their loved ones are going through something but just really don't know how to help and that seems like a pretty simple way of just bringing something up and what that does for me as well is like it opens up the opportunity for that person to talk about it if they want to yeah. um because yeah. you're actually approaching it and like meaning it versus again like walking away or disconnecting yourself from from that and maybe yeah. also encouraging that other person to disconnect from that part of themselves and i mean as we've talked about this whole time these things happen and failures happen mm-hmm. and self-talk negative self-talk is a thing and um that's not something to like shy away from necessarily yeah yeah. I, I mean, thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts with me today. Again, like I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's really mm-hmm. cool that people can hear your story for themselves. And yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about Thanks med school. Yeah. We talked yeah. a lot about med school, but I think like this can be applied to really anyone who is, yeah in school no no and that's the thing is obviously it's the only thing I know um but I do feel and I have like I said been you know um reached out by many people who Mm -hmm. you know are just going through feeling like you need to compare yourself to everybody and you know everybody's successes and again we're just so immersed in one another's um, stories that are good versus what's bad necessarily Um, so I think anybody can really benefit from realizing that your worthiness is not associated with your um, Mm -hmm. credentials Mm -hmm. um, or you know your 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 story isn't just your career um, yeah. So I think yeah. that plays uh, more on a human level and human first yeah. <laughs> um, than any than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just so much more to everyone. Yeah. Than one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today in classic human first podcast. Um, I have kind of like three questions that I like to end oh. each interview with. No, I didn't send this to you. I really wanted you to just like think it <laughs> on the spot. Um, <laughs> and is it okay if we, if we, if I get like your, your answers on this as we wind down? Yeah. Okay. Hit me with it. 
The first one is what is one thing that you're grateful for? And this is like very, like it needs to be specific. One thing I'm grateful for is health, Mm. especially right now. Um, It is super important. We are, I mean, I'm thinking you're releasing this still in 2020, but um, (laughs) you know, 2020 has been crazy. So I think health is something I'm super, um, super thankful and grateful for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, second question. Um, what makes you feel like your best self? Um, when uh, a little kid at clinic, like just is so happy, even though I'm looking in their ears or like Mm. examining them. Um, and then their parent says, they usually don't like the doctor <laughs> like that um, makes me feel so warm, yeah um and like I'm where I'm supposed to be yeah and I think we should say you're a pediatrician and you work with kids yeah yeah I think we just said you're a doctor yeah. but people would be like why is she looking into little yeah. kids ears yes yeah. <laughs> she's a pediatrician yeah. um yeah oh I love that yeah that they're, they're just like affirming you as a person I think that's yeah. so beautiful Um, And last and final question, what does being human mean to you? Oh my goodness. Good question. What does human be? Um, Being human is being messy. Mm. And there are a lot of highs and there are a lot of lows and that just yeah it's a good mix (laughs) yeah 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 messy I love that I love that um well thank you again so much for doing this with me um feel so grateful to have a big sister like you and like a sister who's willing to talk about these things with me and um who values just normalizing the struggles in the way that I do so I really do appreciate you and and this time that we spent together I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm so excited for this to be released, everybody. Thank you. Okay. Love you. Love you.